looking back on Dublin there, the first few miles, I let it out. Now it wasn't that major because the guys were actually running quite slow like at the start the, the group yeah. and the majority of them were the African lads over and um, a few Europeans and then the Irish guys but I wound up being a fair bit ahead for the first few miles but I, I, like, I look back on the streaming coverage just to have yeah. a look back it's good to watch back and they're going to say oh jeez Mick has some strategy here to really push it out but I actually wasn't running it was hard to gauge by looking at it you'd look like I was really belting out but I was just taking it out of it. I was actually trying to get the lads to come up because it was really pedestrian yeah. pace and it felt too slow. But I was like, it was no water, there was no wind around, so it wasn't if I was using up energy. But I know if people saw it, they were like, Jesus, it's only a mile into Merton and he's, I was like 50, 60 meters ahead. But there was nothing like I could do. I couldn't actually, yeah. I didn't, it felt unnatural to slow it. And you were trying to get into your own rhythm. I did exactly, yeah, just because I lock into a pace and then once we hit the Phoenix Park, the lads started to, you know, I knew they'd start to go. That's the yeah. way they operate, they kind of start to wind it up then. But it was like, it was three miles of me, kind of like, said, are you going to come up or what? And Freddie, I don't know, you know, Freddie, yeah. uh, stuck in, in Rainy, he he was with me in the first one. I said, come on, Freddie, let's get this going a bit here. And he said, oh, they're just going to use you. you, you know. I said, just remember, it's not as if we're, you know, we have to make this a bit honest at the start. But then, then obviously, things change quick enough yeah. and they left the park, they started to turn it up. And they really did speed up. But yeah, it's funny, like, you know, I'd say people did look same too, because I know I was talking to people and they'd heard from other people, oh, Jesus, because you belting it out at the start. But I was, it wasn't, it was actually one of the slowest starts of my life I've ever done. That's Mick Klahousey. And this is the Inspirational Runners Podcast. Mick's an amazing athlete, having qualified for the 2016 Rio Olympics. Unfortunately, form had left him, meaning that he had an underpar performance, but the lack of form didn't last long with a series of PBs to follow. In this episode, we hear what it's like to be the first Irishman home in Dublin Marathon, uh, Mick's hometown, with an amazing time of 2 hours, 15 minutes and 58 seconds. The fastest time by an Irishman in Dublin in 19 years. The Marathon National title was a nice addition to his cross-country, his 10k and half-marathon national titles, which strengthens his position as one of Ireland's greatest runners. Mick is a true gent. I have to thank him and his wife, Krona, for the hospitality. Krona herself is an exceptional runner, hitting times in the 17-minute range for a 5k. Before we go into the podcast, I'd like to give our sponsors, Born to Run, a quick shout. Race 3 of their winter series is in the beautiful grounds of Cabroni Park, near Warren Point in County Down. It's been held on the 15th of December, so it's a real Christmas buzz about it. Tough race, but not one to be missed. I hope to see you there. With great pleasure, I give you Mick Clahousey. So I have finished in Boston this year, which was horrendous weather. Um, But it was a unique unique sort of race. I know, it's because a cousin and my uncle done it, it maybe four or five years ago, when they had the heat wave. And my cousin, strong guy, he's just was mid thirties, and um, he went up in the hospital for a week with heat stroke after it. And he got interviewed over there on the television and all. He kind of became famous. Wow. He came out with something. Whatever kills you doesn't make you stronger. He's a, he's a good character, my cousin Vinny, and he kind of the Americans picked up on that, you know. And but he was lucky, like, and that was that was twenty thirteen maybe. Or yeah. But I saw this year. He's still 
I see with the Irish, maybe. But I wore an Irish. It was kind of freezing. I wore an Irish singlet, yeah. and that was it round it, and it was one of these island ones. It was just really cold wind, kind of, was it? It was about 25 around. mile an hour headwind, and they said it was minus one at the start, and it was torrential rain. Yeah, the and Japanese lad. He done a brilliant job though, didn't he? He cycled. Shows you know, that's the marathon, like how, you know, it just becomes a pure race of you know like oh, the I know the African lads probably well, weren't too fond of it, but he was uh, he was brilliant the way he saw him coming through. But he psyched them out too, didn't he? Because there's this there's a cliche of whoever is first at the five k mark or something. Because um, the commentators were like, oh, what's he doing? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He is going to burn out and next yeah. you know, he just messed with everybody else's heads. Yeah. Because yeah, sure. everybody wanted to settle into the marathon. Mm. And he just he went kicked. Hard, did he, at the start? He kicked at the start. And then everyone yeah. else was like, oh dear, what's he doing? Because I, it was only looking back on Dublin there, the first few miles, I let it out. Now, it wasn't that major because... The guys were actually running quite slow, like at the start. The, the group, yeah. like, well, the majority of them were the African lads over, and um, a few Europeans, and then the Irish guys. But I wound up being a fair bit ahead for the first few miles. But it, I like I look back on the streaming coverage. Just to have a yeah. look back. It's good to have, watch back, and they're going to say, "Oh, geez, Mick has some strategy here to really push it." But I actually weren't wasn't running. It was hard to gauge by looking at it. You looked like I was really belting out, but I was just taking it out of, I was actually trying to get the lads to come up because it was really pedestrian yeah. pace and it felt too slow but I was like it was no bother there was no wind around so it wasn't if I was using up energy but I know if people saw it they were like Jesus he's only a mile into Martin and he's I was like 50-60 metres ahead but there was nothing like I do I couldn't actually yeah. I didn't it felt unnatural to slow it and you were trying to get into your own rhythm I'm not exactly either just because I lock into a pace and then once we hit the Phoenix Park the lads started to you know I knew they'd start to go that's the yeah. way they operate, they kind of start to wind it up then. But it was like, it was three miles of me kind of like, is that he, are you going to come up or what? And Freddie, I don't know, you know, Freddie yeah. came around, stuck in, in, in Rainey, he, he was with me in the first one. I said, come on, Freddie, let's get this going a bit here. And he <laughs> said, oh, they're just going to use you. you. You know, I said, it doesn't matter. It's not as if we're, you know, we have to make this a bit honest at the start. But then, then obviously things changed quick enough yeah. and they left the park, they started to turn it up and they really did speed up. Um, but yeah, it's funny, like, you know, I'd say people did look, because I know I was talking to people and they'd heard from other people, oh, Jesus, Mick was belting it out at the start, but I, wa I wasn't, it was actually <laughs> one of the slowest starts of the marathon I've ever done. Like. Brilliant. And, uh, yeah, it was interesting. How did you get into running to begin with then? Yeah, so what age you now? 32? Yeah, 32, I'll be 33 in January. Um, yeah, I suppose it's gone back to when I was properly got in in secondary school I would have started running cross country mm. um, and my father ran since I was a child he'd done marathons he was he he'd done the Dublin then obviously yeah he would have got into the, the running did you go and watch him then yeah I used then. to watch my dad when I was young so he ran a lot of you know the business houses races series yeah. of races he'd done all the road races around um, he would have ran through his kind of through his work, you know, he had a crowd that they ran at lunchtime in, in, in town in Dublin and Trinity College and stuff. Yeah. And so I would have had an interest in running, but I, football was my, my main thing growing up, like soccer and Gaelic football. I would have played a fair, fair bit in there. Soccer in my mid-teens, early teens, I was like convinced I was going to be going to England as a footballer, you know, I had this thing in my head. So running was always, I suppose running was nearly more just a bit of this 
a side thing and you know we enjoyed a bit of crack in school we go on the bus across country races and um i suppose then i got involved with rainy shamrocks how, how did you do when you were in school when you were going to those sort of races I, well, I, I remember my first cross country in St. Paul's College, Rohini. I was, I would have been on the B team in cross country. Um, and then I probably made a few bit of progress. And I think maybe when I got into t- third year in school, I started to kind of, what's the word, progress mm-hmm. a fair bit. And other guys, I was like way ahead of them then at that stage. But not everyone. I was still... I was still not, the, I wouldn't have been the top guy in the school yeah. or anything. Was a, there was a few very good athletes who are still running today, like Mark Kirwan, who was a teammate of mine in St. Paul's. He was fourth in the National Marathon there, yeah, and he's in Rainy Shamrock. So um, so there's a few guys, and there was a guy, Richie Corcoran, who was the lead guy in school. He went to the States, to Villanova, on a scholarship. So we had a good running scene yeah. there, and the Rainy Shamrocks are linked in with St. Paul's. Dick Hooper, who coaches me, used to come down to St. Paul's and take us out training. Um, but still he's a big runner himself wasn't yeah, he sure. Dick won the guy Dublin, Dublin he won Dublin three times he won the first the first Dublin and he won it two more times he's three wow. three Olympics Dick went to um, Dick's marathon time is still something that I'm hoping to get down towards he's 2.12 odd so uh, so Dick's coached me all the way up since them days mm. you know that's been been a good help yeah and, um, somebody you can trust I exactly and I know Dick quite well and he knows me and We've gotten to know each other really well, so we know how each we work. We're different, you know. We have a lot of differences, but it works well. You know, yeah. we be totally different personality, I suppose. But our coaching relationship works quite well. And at this stage, I suppose, you know, it's a two-way kind of system. It's not as if he has to tell me everything because I, you know, you kind of learn as you go. So we'd run stuff by each other. But he's been a great, like I probably wouldn't be where I was without Dick's mm-hmm. help along the way. And, um, but yeah, going back to. School like football still would have been my main thing until I suppose until even when I was leaving seventeen eighteen I was still playing soccer but then the running started to I started to really get more involved I was I was trying to balance both and I just eventually I, I was still playing football the year I left school but I made a breakthrough in the run and I won the junior cross country intercounties title and. Um, that's quite a big thing in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. It? So that's that's what the nationals is now. It used to be mm. intercounty. So that qualified me for the European cross country as a junior, which is in Tilburg. Which that's where the Europeans are next month. So the first the first European cross country I went to was Tilburg in Holland, in two thousand and five. So what age were you then? So it would have been nineteen, I suppose, eighteen, nineteen, eighteen, gone on nineteen. Mm. So I just left school, and so I was playing soccer still, but the soccer was gone downhill the more I got into yeah. running I just it's just a different yeah different whole system you know and I wasn't as agile in the soccer my agility was gone but I still loved football but I suppose I saw the running as you know I can really do something here and I was starting to enjoy it more and so I kind of then the football finished um, and then I gave running I suppose a really good crack then for a few years in my early 20s I made a lot of cross country teams, which cross country was probably my main thing in them yeah. days, um, and then, yeah, like I was enjoying the running. I was training hard. It was a great group in Rainy Shamrocks. There was a gang of us together that trained, so it was really good camaraderie and it was yeah. a good social thing as well. It's a great um, club, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's not like it's such a tradition as well. And yeah. but we we there was a real good crowd of us together that came through. So there was always like for our interval sessions, there would be. 
there'd be a great crowd of us training together and I suppose then when I got to my mid-twenties I started to I just kind of lost a bit of the hunger for the running maybe I was a little bit burnt out from it but I think it was just a natural you know I just wanted to go off and travel a bit and do other things well how, how much training were you doing in between that time so because when you travelled it was like you were 23 around that sort of age weren't you so it's three or four years then were you really yeah it would have been I suppose mid-twenties 24 were you taking it really seriously at that like, stage I would have, like I would have been progressing nicely um because you got a couple, you start doing the track then as well, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, like I would have done okay on the track nationally. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have done <clears throat> anything, you know, I never made any internationals at that stage on the track. It was all cross country. I made my first senior. They had the under 23 Europeans. I made that for a few years in a row. The first senior cross country was Dublin 2009. And yeah, like I was, I was coming through very well. Yeah. But after that, I just kind of... It was hard to explain at the time, but I suppose it's just the age. It's that age, and you're trying to find your place in the world, really, isn't it? Yeah, and no, I had this thing. I wanted to, I wanted to go off, and I went travelling in the states a few times. I had this kind of loved the whole thing of the mm. California and all these places, and just, I suppose I, yeah, I didn't lose total love of running. I still ran, but just the competitive side of it, I just kind of, I did. Because it's hard, it's hard work to be competitive, isn't it? Yeah, and there's a lot of effort. And when you're younger, friends age. at that stage were going off every year on, yeah. on these trips, and yeah, like I, I think it was good. At the, like looking back, I think the break probably done me good because mm-hmm. I came back with a new sense of hunger and. Because um, if I suppose if you continued it right through nineteen from mm-hmm. now, like where, where do you who, get that break? Who not? Yeah, exactly. Like I know at the time maybe. Dick, my coach, and that was, he was saying, what am I doing, you know, why, why, why are you, you know, you're wasting these key years, and people probably did think that was it, I was gone from the sport, you know, like, I used to come back and do a few races here and there, but I wouldn't really be training for them, yeah. you know, the races themselves would be just kind of something to keep me ticking over, and I remember one or two races running, there were the National Road Relays for Rohini, I might have been on the B team one of the years, and I kind of like, oh, I can't, if I'm gonna do it, let's do it properly. You know, I can't be going out and it's like nearly not valuing what I, you know, because yeah. I was doing them not training and I wasn't giving myself That's the justice. You knew you could do a lot more, like yeah. So effort and time and it kind of naturally came back. Um, I spent a few years on and off in Austria in Vienna, um, and over there I kind of got it, just kind of let it come back naturally. And I think what spurred me back was I made. I gave a cross country a crack one of the years, it would have been 2013. And I made the Euro cross country team again, so it was the first one in a good few years. Yeah. And that, once I made that, it kind of kick started everything. So, yeah. did you have much training back into it then to try and get that? I would have, I would have been racing away all the oh, time, okay. but it was, it was kind of just a natural progression of it. I was doing my own training really, yeah. like, and then I kind of slotted back in with Dick and that. You know, we never, Dick was always. You know, the door's always open yeah. but I was just kind of went off and done my own thing for a while and once I made that cross country again obviously it was a big step up you know just to make the Irish team again but then into 2014 you know I just got that hunger came it came on very quick then that I started to really enjoy the training like obviously it's you have to enjoy the hard graft yeah. of it and um, yeah just led led on and that year I won the national cross country I used to be on in March, mm. then I won the national half marathon. I won the national track ten thousand and the national half marathon. So I done a treble of nationals. So that really got me. What year was that? Twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. 
and then I suppose the natural thing which I probably would have done earlier if I hadn't taken a break was the marathon because as Dick always saw me as being a marathon runner and I kind of thought that myself the endurance is probably where my strength lies and it was something that I felt I wanted to be out of any events you know I wasn't a track I could do okay over 10,000 but I knew I wasn't gonna really make it as a you know international track I just don't wouldn't have had that kind of speed for the track um so I always saw the marathon as where my real potential lay so I ran my first marathon in 2015 in Rotterdam I ran 217 40-ish so you know I came out of that well which was I think the main thing a first marathon what 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 year did you come back then there's 213 you actually came back into it yeah, but I, it was a gradual, like I think even yeah. 2012, I would have ran a few, like I, I think I ran across country nationals in 2012. I never bit. really stopped, you know, it was kind of half, uh, like I would have been racing. So you were really keeping your base there, you just weren't shot yeah. and then like, oh, really? Yeah, exactly. That, that's, that's what I was thinking of you, right, for like two or three years. No, I never stopped. The only real stops in running was when I went traveling mm. in the States and places where, where for two months, three months. Yeah. That would have been the longest I went without running. And then the rest of the time I would have been doing, I used to do the business houses races on and off yeah. when I was here, I'd do a few road races. Just keeping your fingers in it? Yeah, I suppose I just enjoyed the, uh, and I kind of, a part of me at the time kind of knew that I would get back into it, you know, I felt there was that, yeah. um, I suppose, unfinished, that I wanted to really give it a crack. and. Uh, yeah, but since I came back then, I suppose I got a new hunger that I didn't have before where I wanted to fulfill mm. as much as I can out of the sport because maybe you're, I suppose you're, in the early 20s you're slightly a different you think you've lost you know it's it's a different it's mindset confusing, it's a confusing yeah. time yeah. in your life like you don't really know what direction you want or yeah and I might have taken it took it for granted a bit you know that mm. I could just go out and train hard and I suppose I was maybe trying to balance social life as well with that at the time but you can do that for only so long you know and so what was your thoughts then when you done Rotterdam you, you hit a time of 217 that's phenomenal you sort of then see where you fit in in the Irish scene, don't you, really? At that stage. Yeah, like, I suppose the first marathon was always going to be see see how it goes for us yeah. because you don't know until you do one. Like, the training before that it would have been the first time I started doing some serious longer runs. And I was trying, you know, Sean Herher, who's mm. won Dublin Marathon. Um, and he's coached by Dick as well. Sean's a training partner of mine. So I trained a lot with Sean, still do. And I suppose Sean was, was quite experienced at the marathon already. So I kind of slotted in with him for some of the training. And, you know, I was able to handle the training. So yeah. I said, okay, the marathon, we'll see how this goes. And the main thing was to come out of it with a positive. Because I think people can go into a marathon and if it doesn't go well the first time, it can be sometimes hard to... You know, the this metal blocker. Yeah, kind of. Like you can see it happening to certain. You know, but then look, it could happen. You had a bad one, and then you have a good one the next time. But thankfully, it came out of it well. And uh, so the Olympic qualification was coming on quite quick. Then mm. that was actually within. I was slightly outside the Olympic time. So then I went in Berlin. The next that would have been September. Then the same year, and that was nearly like an Irish trial race, and Paul yeah. was there and. Sergio, Kevin Seward. Um, a minute and a half between there all was four, four of that, was Yeah, that, was that three, four of us there who were very close? Kevin came in first, then Sergio. Myself and Paul actually had a sprint finish through the Brandenburg Gate. So I couldn't believe it that it was coming down. And, you know, it was 
we knew it would prove crucial enough and I know yeah. Paul made it in the end as well and it was all yeah it was a long drawn out qualification process because I actually nothing was certain so I went again in Seville in the February because I knew that it wasn't guaranteed and I had to try yeah. and cement the place and thankfully in, in Seville that time I ran slightly quicker again I ran just over 215 215 10 or 11 and I think that what pace is that it's like 5.15 is it around that sort of pace yeah just uh, probably just under is it 5 I think I set out at a faster pace and it slowed a bit but yeah it'd be under 5 training like is it 5.11 or 12 do you feel a lot more nervous then when you have the likes of qualifying time then obviously do you play do you play it a bit cooler yeah, I suppose I. It's hard to know. Like with the, with the marathon, though, I, I've never really felt as much nerves about it. Mm. I think it's that kind of event. I'd be more nervous over the shorter yeah. distances. But with the qualifying time, yeah, it was just about running as fast as I could to try and secure the spot. Uh, what is the qualifying time? Is it? Well, for Rio at the time, it was. I think it was under 2.17, but because it was going to come down to probably. You know, you had to have your fast time and form came into it as well and other events. Like that was, there was a lot of controversy at the mm-hmm. time about the selection because the forwards were tight. Um, so my main aim around that time was to ensure that I was consistent over everything because I thought that would stand to me. Yeah. And I think it did probably in the end because the selectors looked at everything. So I made sure, I probably put myself under, and maybe that's what happened to me in Rio that I wound up being a bit burnt out, but I... Because you've done some amazing PBs then, didn't you? I was just looking there. 2006, you used 10,000 metre. PB 29.24. In Highgate, yeah. So I was doing, trying to mix in with a lot of the... And then you've done the, your PB half, 64.25. That was before Seville that year. That was in Waterford, yeah. So I suppose I was trying to make sure I was on top on a lot of things. and It got me to Rio, but I, by the time I got to Rio, I was a little bit burnt out because I'd been gone so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that new for you to be burnt out like that? Do you think you were... Probably at that, that kind of... Like it, was, it was probably hard to get it right because the qualifying was in May that they finally announced the, te- the, the final team, you know, so I had to make sure that I was still on top shape yeah. all the way through. And maybe it could have taken more downtime, but looking, looking back, it was very hard because it was just hard to gauge it you know you learn yeah. from these things it's hard it's trial and error really you know so I went to Rio at maybe one or two before I left because we were over there for a month we were in a training camp I ran some long training runs and one of them didn't go too good and it was a feeling I got jeez maybe mm-hmm. I've overstepped it it was a really hot day in the Phoenix Park and I remember it was one of the worst kind of experiences of a long run where I'd kind of I ran out of juice basically. Just flat. Yeah, so um, going over to Rio then to Brazil, my, my aim, I kept saying, I have to freshen up here. We have a month, so I'll have time, but sometimes you don't, and we were in a new environment, and you know, it was hot, and I suppose I still had to try and keep my fitness up. And then I look, it was on maybe there was a bit of un, unluckiness as well. I got the blister mm-hmm. on my foot, I got infected. <laughs> so close to the marathon and then I wound up getting some virus the week of it which was, could have been linked because it was the infection was pretty bad that can happen to anybody any runner yeah like all. it was it was a hard thing to you know I remember and my, see we, we were we were I was training with Paul and Kevin over there 
and I jumped in with some of their workouts and stuff and maybe I need, didn't need to be doing you know yeah. we were coming at different angles you know everyone has a different stage of fitness so maybe I was trying to push it too much there but uh, look it probably was a bit of unluckiness as well like the blister was mm. carelessness as well maybe not looking after but you've done really well all things considering I know you must have been gutted as well not being able to have your form and actually show your yeah I look I was glad I finished it out like because my dad came down yeah. my uncle and my cousin came all the way down and then Rahini there was everyone was watching it because no matter what you think like, especially the club yeah. I, I know how proud our club is yeah. um, of our good runners but one of your club runners is now running the Olympics and it's such a historic event isn't yeah it? so like the marathon there I you know, finished it out like the last I suppose the second half I just ran out I went totally empty after halfway I actually thought it was doing okay and then everything just went empty and I, you know it, it was I suppose there was no way I could really get away with being sick the week of it because my mm. appetite I think I'd lost weight the week of the marathon which you're meant to try and put on a little bit you know and I was just drained so I finished it out and I was like right I just have to finish it because Dick my coach always says you know the first thing is to finish it as fast as you can the second thing is to finish it you know you nearly write that on your hand you know but look, obviously not if you're in drastic consequences but you know a lot of the yeah, time yeah. you can dr- so like, I was glad to finish it and yeah I just wanted to get away from it then for a while mm. afterwards I was disappointed upset but myself and Krona went off travelling for on a holiday afterwards and I kind of switched off so I think how do you, how do you feel about that because you'll see like there's always a lot of press comes out of things like that yeah. isn't there yeah and the Olympics I suppose you know and it's such a big hike yeah, the Olympics out of London because yeah. London just like it just brought Olympics every home, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. So just re- totally established the Olympics. Yeah, and then it sort of that sort of rolled over into Rio, mm-hmm. and I had a lot more people watching that then, and so along with that brought a lot of prestige as well. Absolutely. And a lot of it would be negative for yourself. I'm sure. Did you see it that way yourself? Because you, you, you put yourself in. It's in context, isn't it? Your performance and what happens really is in context. Yeah, like it's, so. It's looking back, like when the the Olympic things, people were really just oh, you went to the Olympics. They don't really a lot of people don't yeah. say how you got on or anything, you know. Because I was got well known in the area, and there was wishing me well posters and stuff. But people would just say oh, well done, you you got to the Olympics. No one yeah, really yeah. You might say you finished or wherever you finished in the marathon. Didn't people don't get too oh that's good you know so it wasn't really it was like oh well done you went got the olympics that's and i was like, you know i was kind of a bit like ah sure look i got through it kind of thing because i didn't feel like i'd done myself justice but the majority of people just say you went to the olympics you know the people who don't really follow running and yeah. they, they see that as a big you know i guess you'd see people and say oh, that's the fellow well even people who follow running think that as well like, yeah it's a very well, small percentage yeah thing, but oh. at most there, there wasn't any you know, be, I think it's different. It might be different if you're a manager of a football team or something and you're getting... <laughs> but then, you know, you didn't really get the... I didn't see any negative kind of... No, you know, I think most people in the run scene then understand a marathon is a marathon. Mm. And, you know, if you're not right, you know... It takes you, can't, you can't wait till a week later, you know. You have, so... Uh, it's not, a pain, pain in the ass, that. <laughs> you, that's, you get, that's, that's the, the... I suppose the, the bittersweet thing of the marathon, the whole beauty of it is it comes down to, you know, you can't... The majority of times you can't just put it back. And a week, a week later, you got all your energy and you're sitting thinking, damn, I wish I had a good race now. Yeah, but like, I suppose the good thing was I was able to switch off afterwards. I know people, I've heard people have had about an Olympic kind of 
depression people get afterwards <laughs> and I didn't that no I I, I I kind of just wanted to push on then you know I had a hunger yeah. that I you know I felt still I was only getting going really anyway so I needed to switch off for like I took a month really of downtime which was great and thankfully I'm able to I enjoy doing other things as well so I was able to switch off and run I got back doing a bit of jogging and we went on a holiday in California myself and Crona we'd done a road trip and done a bit of running on the beaches over there and then you know I just came back and cross country was rolling around so that gave me a new a new kind of um, target and yeah then I suppose then that led on to 2017 and there was the world championships was coming up in London I ran the London marathon in the April and that turned out to be not another below par marathon because a bit of a head cold that week and I actually thought it'd be grand. I thought it's a head cold, it won't do me any harm, but similar thing. I just ran out of juice in the second half. I finished it out in two eighteen odd, but I had been open to run quite fast or you yeah. know, to totally get my time there. Thankfully I was still my Seville time from the previous year had got me into the world championships and luckily I was selected. Right. So that was London last year and Because you really bounced back with that. So that yeah. was really I really wanted to try and get my and I, I felt a bit of pressure before that, Aaron, because that was too kind of Rio and then London in the April. They were too under par, Martins, and it was starting to, start to kind of have a bit of doubt that, you know, geez, maybe the Maritain isn't working out as well as I thought. So I really wanted to get a good performance there. And yeah, I came through well in that race. It was uh, finished 22nd, uh, finished strong. It was a good, positive run. Now, I, you know, I probably felt that, jeez, I could have done a lot more, but the main thing was to get myself back on track. Um, that but was 20 seconds was, like, that yeah, was yeah, no, quite significant, Yeah, no, it was. It? it was a strong performance, and, you know, it was always, you're never fully satisfied after. You always think, oh, jeez, I could have yeah. done more. But I, at the time, yeah, it was, it was, it was I great. I what's important as well is how you finish, isn't Yeah, it? exactly, and I came through the field very strong. And, you know, in the European scheme of things there, I was, I think, maybe fifth, European in the right. event so that was that was a uh, that was a strong performance and the support in all in London that day was incredible I suppose you were realising you know realising what you knew yourself you could do yeah exactly yeah and I needed that one to get myself yeah. back you know and but that, that was London, huge support wasn't it yeah that London was some buzz because so many people from Rohini Shamrocks came over all my family Crona's family and then there was all the other Irish who travel to these all these athletic supporters and it's London it's so yeah. it's convenient my sister lives in London my younger sister so there's that connection as well and it was like a hometown kind of race you know it was it was brilliant um, so that was a great great experience London and then I suppose after that so it was big. that was great and you sort of showed the colours and showed you what you were actually capable of doing especially, yeah, and it especially was, after Rio it's yeah exactly it pushed that back a bit I suppose redeemed the you yeah. know in, in the Irish vest on the major championship so that was that was you great. really carried momentum then didn't you because you got you got really good um form then yeah so in that so after that London 2017 then I actually so that was only over last year I actually got injured this time last year which knocked me out of the cross country I'd done a few road races like after that London when a hip injury started to come on hip flexor injury is just tendonitis over mm. overuse now I was kind of... How many miles were you doing sort of a week? I suppose I'd average 
probably 90-ish. See, I yeah. race fairly regularly, so my okay. mileage would be up and down. Like, I'd, you know, I'd go race. I'd race every, roughly, I suppose, every three weeks or so I'd be racing, yeah. you know, which for some people it's probably not that much, but um, I suppose in the competitive side <laughs> it is a lot, you know, because you're... Especially on the load. Road, yeah. and then I suppose I was aiming for... So I went to, a f- after that one, I, I done a half marathon in Cardiff, which was okay, but I ran the 10-miler, the Great South, yeah. in Portsmouth. I'm okay at that, but I was, I was in trouble with my hip. I could hardly warm up, but I was somehow getting through the races. I ran the Dublin cross country, and I was hobbling afterwards. And I went to Portugal training, and then I had to pull the plug. I was denying it for a while that I was injured. I thought, you know, I'll run it yeah. out because I'd never really. I've been so lucky that I've never had any real injuries that I had to stop. So I had to take a month. It was actually around this time last year. And I got a scan on it and I showed up there was damage to my hip. So it was just rest and yeah. and looking back, the rest, missing the cross country. Like I always love cross country. It was at the first I was like, oh, you know, I really wanted to get another European cross country on the team or whatever. But looking back, the rest probably done me really good. Um, mentally and physically, it was a, it was a forced proper stop yeah. from running. How long was that? It was probably only it was a month, but for me it was long because since I suppose since I came back in twenty thirteen fourteen, apart from after Rio, I've been just constantly going yeah. and racing and. But you had good momentum. Yeah. So the good thing was, comes yeah. From so then, Seville was on the cards for again because I'd been to Seville before, but I wanted to try and wanted to try and get my PB down. So it was a very short build up for Seville this last February when yeah. I ran it, because I got back just after Christmas running. The run road race and that and ride that I do every year. How, how do you come? How do you come back then? Like so, if you're say you're running ninety miles, how do you like do you come back like 40, 50 miles and so on? Yeah, be a, I suppose to be a gradual week or two. Yeah, and you just kind of I, I suppose with my training I'm quite flexible. I'd be very I wouldn't be like I have to hit this target mm. this week. You know, I just kind of let it happen. Don't more feel so. more so. Yeah, exactly, and it kind of naturally build itself up. So I would, I would never kind of be bang on 190 yeah. miles be kind of in or around um, just fluid really um, so yeah I suppose I got so I would have got back kind of quick enough because I had Seville on there and I put myself under a bit of pressure because I really wanted to run a fast time and Seville was one that I liked from the previous time so around Christmas last year I got back into the train and you know there's a part of me saying maybe I'm rushing this but I felt the injury had cleared. Declan Monaghan, my physio, had been great help, and he was maybe a bit cautious a bit, but I, look, I took a few risks to get back, but thankfully the injury um, had passed, and I got a good block of training, and went to Seville. Went out hoping to run. You know, I, I wanted to set my targets high, so I did go through quite fast, 66, halfway. Right. So maybe it was a little bit, but the group was there, that yeah. I had to go with kind of because it would have been no man's land and halfway uh, got disconnected I was actually messing with drinks I grabbed a drink and banged into someone and the group was gone then but look I probably was going to slow I was kind of on the edge might have been a little bit quick but I came back around in that race and then finished in under 215 214 55 wow. so it was That's a PB scary. now I was at the time thinking oh, I wanted to go a minute quicker but then PB I was you're always happy with a PB yeah. and it's progression so it shows you where you're at as well doesn't it like yeah so I was like this you know that's good it's promising um, and 
think that qualified me then for the Europeans for the summer. For the that Berlin, was it? Berlin, yeah. I'm not sure whether I'd qualified or I think actually my London from the previous year had qualified me. But that I suppose helped as well with selection, yeah. you know, the form. And yeah, so then after that I How did I Berlin go? So Berlin in the summer, yeah. So I good build up for Berlin, long enough build up. Because I ran Seville, I took a bit of downtime. Again, could have taken maybe longer, but kind of once I take a few weeks, I'm really itching to get going again. Yeah. Um, That's good motivation, though, isn't it? It's good to have that motivation. Yeah, I suppose it's. I suppose you need the hunger to. Mm. to draw. You know, if if you're putting it off too long, maybe there's something wrong that you don't want to get going again. Mm. You know, but then there's other times when your body's probably telling you you need to. But I think that injury break, as I said, yeah. helped me refresh. Um, so Berlin, yeah, I had a good build up. Myself and Krona got married actually in the June, so Brilliant. just before it. So that was it was a nice little change in the build up to it. Two thousand eighteen was a good year for you so far. Yeah, so that was obviously that was the the highlight, you know. But um yeah, so after the wedding we went down to Portugal for two weeks. It was kind of a honeymoon slash I had to do a bit of training because Berlin was approaching. And you got away with that? Yeah, just for sure. <laughs> the running doesn't take up too much time. If yeah. you, to get up early enough and get it done but yeah so I had a good two weeks training down there and um, yeah Berlin was not as strong probably again it wasn't what exactly I had set my sights on you know I said right the top 10 around that is possible if I can really you know I wanted to put in another good championship performance um, conditions Leading up to the amount of the heat wave was, yeah. was very hot, but it did cool significantly beforehand. The day of the marathon, yeah, look, it was it got warm. It got into the mid, I think it was high 20s towards the end, but it wasn't too bad early on. It was quite cool, but it did increase. Probably did have an effect. Again, I took a few risks, went with a group, thought it was, you know, going well. Halfway, got some pretty bad stomach cramps, uh, which really knocked me. Thankfully, they passed. Got going again. Um, managed to re I was reeling off people as well, which was yeah. good. Kevin and Seward had a fantastic race because he his pace and his, but Kevin so, I suppose he's got the, he's patient, you know, and he was conservative mm-hmm. enough early on. He came through very well. He passed by me. He was really moving. Um, I struggled the last few miles definitely, but I still finished top twenty. I was you know yeah. it was a strong run. We did. You were second Irish. Second Irish and Sean had a great run. Sean so yeah, and Sergio was Sergio was fourth man. Paul, 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 yeah, Paul done well because he was only coming back into fitness. And Kevin had a great one. Kevin was fifteenth, so it was a really good Irish. When you're doing that and you're you're trying to you're always trying to judge, well, you know where your form is because your training really is telling you that, isn't it? But do you because it's quite a close knit group of guys there, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And we all. Do you know what I mean? So it's how does that feel when? Because you guys sort of jump places all the time, don't you? Yeah, so there's, I mean, yeah, we're all very close. Um, I suppose our times are close. We know each mm-hmm. other quite well. So there's always that element of competition between us. And, you know, we all get on well. And like as I said, Sean is a training partner of mine. Sergio, I know so well as well. And Paul and Kevin, you know, who know them mm-hmm. as too. So we got to know them so well in Rio. And sure, myself and Paul, especially, like we've actually come up together since we were juniors that junior race the same year like Paul's the same year and Kevin might be a year ahead of me so we were racing each other back when we were juniors me and Paul and we've always kind of had a mutual kind of respect for each other that we've been a similar kind of trajectory you know so 
Um, yeah, so it's been good. That was a great kind and of top team. twenty finish was. Pretty yeah, good so like it was, it was, it was strong. You know, uh, there's always that little bit of you know thought it could progress a bit more, but I had to take it. You know, as Stick my coach said, you know, you look back on these things and say, you know, that was that was great. Maybe at the time, sometimes you you don't appreciate them as much mm. as you should. But um, yeah, that was another another good championship performance because the championships are different. It's a different type of run, and it's more. You know, it's there's a lot more. I don't know. The the races where you're trying to run fast, the big city marathons, it's a lot more straightforward as such. And mm. then the championship is a bit more tactical. Yeah, and, and a lot of them are conditions aren't always ideal because they are running in the summertime yeah. or whatever so there's all them factors and um, how, how do you prepare yourself for that then do you go do you go off to warm climates or? yeah it can be hard like i spent the two weeks in portugal but to be honest when i was in portugal i think it was warmer here was, you know, <laughs> they were having a really cool june yeah so when i came back to ireland remember all the heat wave yeah. in the summer and um, but yeah the you can train in it. The only thing is, like, I, d- I did a race, a half marathon in the Czech Republic back in June, which was good practice because it was really hot and humid. Um, but yeah, there's nothing really compares to racing in the heat. You can train yeah. in it, but it's racing in it is the real, you know. And there's it, a mental aspect to it as well. There is, it? yeah. Like, it is difficult. It suits some people more than others. You can try and practice your drinking strategies. Um, sometimes it looked as... I think myself there in Berlin, I don't know what the stomach cramps were they from the heat or what. It's hard to you know you can you can't exactly pinpoint what happened, uh, whether the the drink I was taking the electrolyte thing I took too much on or what it was, um. So yeah, you can you can do your best, but I think the heat it's it's unpredictable as well. You know you can only do so much, and the thing is we don't train in it all the time, so it can be unless you spend a really long stint. Yeah. I suppose you really acclimatize to it. You have to learn how to adapt in the marathon though, don't you? Exactly, yeah. I think the marathon, um, it's so unpredictable, I think. You know, even with Dublin there recently, um, I had to take a stop, kind of a pit stop around Terranier College, so maybe 40 seconds or whatever had to to be done. But um, But you were were coming into uh, great form then, so... Yeah, so because that was the first time you'd done Dublin. I was surprised to hear that. Yeah, a lot so of people. Your home, your a lot home of people race. were surprised I hadn't done Dublin. Um, so tell tell me about the week leading up to that. There's so many. There was twenty thousand people on it. So yeah, whether you're at the front of the group or the back of the group, everyone had the same experience. Like they all had the week before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone has. Um, how do you prepare yourself then to make sure that you're hitting a race on form? Are you listening to yourself in your training load or are you very you're a bit more structured coming in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I think yeah, like my Dublin build up this time was it was short again because I'd just come from Berlin in August. That was one of the reasons the last few years I haven't run Dublin is because of the championships falling close and I kinda of just left it but I knew I'd I wanted yeah. to come to Dublin. So I, this year we said myself and they said, Look, I think I need to the time has come, so we'll see how I feel after Berlin and Thankfully, I recovered quite well. Got stuck in very quick into the training. Um, had some good solid weeks. So I think for me, a lot of the times, the long runs that I do, I do them quite at a steady pace. They are good indicators mm. on my form. And if I get a good, if I get a good experience out of them, you know, a good strong run. Because you know, you can, as I said before, Rio, I had a bad experience in the long run, and you kind of know there's something not right here. So they're good indicators. Mm-hmm. So I, I had some really good strong weeks. I 
couple of really strong runs. I'd done a 25 mile up to Phoenix Park at a, quite a steady clip. It wouldn't be, it's not at marathon pace yeah. now, but it's 20, 25 seconds or so outside mm. my target marathon pace. So you're, you're putting, you're doing it on tired legs as well. So when you get a good, good outcome from them, you're yeah. kind of gives you great confidence. Um, because that's, that is what the marathon is. You need that long stuff. You know, you can do your interval sessions, shorter stuff, and yeah, you can be going really well, but it mightn't indicate that you're got yeah. the endurance base there for the marathon. So, yeah, the week before, you know, it's the same for everyone. That's the, you know, the reason back. Um, do you sort of, do you just wait till the week before? You don't go like two weeks out or three I tend out? to, like, I know it's people, some people start easing back three weeks out. Mm. Look, everyone's different. I think it's a bit too long to be time to be if it resting up you know it's nearly you're waiting around so it plays on your head as well it does like, yeah so like generally i'd be only really a week and a bit out that it'd start to scale it back like the last i suppose that second last week things are starting to ease when was your, your last longest run then my last long run would have been now just the way this build up fell it would have been the monday just less than three weeks out okay i've done a 22 mile quite hard and then i do five miles in the evening i'm really tired okay. legs and you know it's kind of a mental thing he's brought into this build up I'd done a road race then that weekend two weeks out a four mile race we shot yeah. yeah it was just intense bang four miles felt uncomfortable but served its purpose Do you know what time you got on that I was it was the Tinner Island four mile around 1911 so I won, I won the race like it's a great it's a great little country yeah. race in Carlo so that was a good you know you never I didn't feel too great because it's a different type of running to what mm. I'm geared up for you know it's a lot quicker pace but it kind of sh- shocks the system a bit i find as well as some of them races they break up the training yeah gives you little targets because i'd done the charleville half a few weeks prior to that ran quite well on that 64 40 which was good going and tired legs uh john travers that must have been that must have been a great confidence piece of feeling 64 40 on tired legs like. yeah like it was it, it felt strong like it was one of them runs where i felt it was a good sign for Martin because I felt I could, I could keep at that pace, for mm. I could keep going, but I just couldn't dip in. John Travers had a great run, he pulled away, he that extra little bit of intensity there, but I felt I had the strength there to keep going, yeah. so I knew my strength was there, and I was happy to run a good fast time as well. Um, but yeah, they there that's what I find with the racing. That's why I, I don't like to go too long without racing. I feel it keeps me, kind of gives me little. Once they go well, I suppose it gives yeah. me little confidence boosters, and at the same time, you're you're staying in touch with the competitive side of things. Now, I know some some people are different; they like to go weeks without racing in a build up. And look, that everyone's different. I think, and um, just I've, little measures. It's like standing on the scales every two yeah, weeks. Exactly. Yeah, like I know. Look, some people do like that where they go away for months and they train and that's it, and they come out and do it. But I find I need to stay in touch. It's just the way. I if I go too long without racing, I feel. I don't know where I'm at sometimes, yeah. but look, yeah, you can tell a bit in training as well. Gives you one less thing to think about, I suppose. Yeah, and look, I enjoy racing. It's what I enjoy doing. So it's all you know. It's it's the buzz of racing, and um, it keeps you, it just keeps you that kind of bit in yeah. you know kind of in tune. And then yeah, so I suppose the week out, I just start to scale it back totally. I was in Portugal for a few days the week before the marathon with Krona. My parents were down there for a week, so we joined them for a bit. So it was nice just to switch off. I done one last kind of interval workout down there the Sunday the week out from the marathon kind of a similar workout I've done the last few before a marathon 
kind of a mixture of pace running you're running a bit faster than marathon pace at times a mix of mile reps and 800 reps um we've done a slightly different one this time and just to keep your muscles awake yeah exactly yeah and it's the last little i suppose actually the last blowout i do is the week of the marathon on the thursday i do i do a mini carb depletion day where i don't need any carbs and this i know people do that yeah. for longer periods i don't know if you do yourself there no carbs. not not for racing i don't yeah, so i, I just do it, it, this could be so like done it for the last few marathons it seems to have worked now it could be just mental as well so i don't need any carbohydrates on the thursday when i get up and then that evening i'll go out and do six miles with two of the miles at marathon pace now you feel pretty yeah. much it's like you feel like how am i going to do this for 26 mm-hmm. miles but it blows out the kind of and you're doing it obviously fairly lethargic because i haven't needed like i'd be i do notice when i go a few hours without carbohydrates and there's some people probably isn't a bother to them they have a different diet but i find jason but it's a great concept that though so then i load up straight after yeah. that run is the idea from the thursday evening you know straight into carbs and i suppose lucky try and balance it out for the next few days you can't overeat maybe that's what made me have to it's interesting though because when you hit the 20 mile mark and you you're carb depleted <laughs> mm. so have you prepared for that at all so it's quite interesting i think they say that that mini depletion is that you overcompensate then your muscles mm. store more the glycogen <laughs> now whether it's who knows how you know i wouldn't be an expert on scientific stuff yeah. like that but look it, it kind of gives you a bit of a mental thing and also I find that week at a marathon, I need something just to, because you're not doing much at all, you're resting, and there's only so much resting, so that little run on the tours, it gives me, gives you a little bit Is of... Is that the only run you do that week then? Oh, no, no, I'd be doing a bit of easy stuff, i just yeah, scale yeah. it back as the week goes on. How many miles would you do that week, or how many miles did you do? So maybe, let me think, before that, maybe on the Monday, I think I might have done eight or nine miles, mm-hmm. Tuesday would have seven or eight i'm not sure i might have ran twice i'm doing coaching a few days a week so yeah. i'm actually on my feet doing a little bit of jogging at the same time thursday i done that and then friday saturday i think friday around 30 minutes really easy and then saturday the day before around for 15 minutes just just yeah. it's nearly just to get yourself out just to do something for you know so um but the, the rest of the running is just really easy jogging it's just kind of tipping over keeping the legs moving you start looking at who's at the who's actually well you'll know who's in the race before then obviously but you start thinking about how the race is going to go and what people you have to watch yeah i suppose you have that in your in your head your you know you start to try and visualize um it's funny as long as a marathon is such it's a long build up into it you know you're thinking about days out so you can nearly overthink it so you, i sometimes try to switch out from it a bit mm-hmm. And I think, as I said, I, I do be a lot more relaxed before Martin because I think I'm, I feel this is what I'm... It's more of your comfort more zone. More of my, yeah, exactly. It's it's in my comfort zone as opposed to a really fast 10K or something where I'm like, you know, it's it's that little bit of discomfort, say, you know, 10,000 on the track or something. Or, you have more time to consider what's going yeah, on and react to it. Exactly, well. yeah. And I know that I'm going to build into it. Like, sure, I mean, as I said, in Dublin, the first few miles, was, yeah. I was actually trying to do <laughs> slowing it down you know so i do have a lot more i'm a lot more relaxed but then look there was a bit of nerves because it was dublin and what about the evening before then what do you do the evening before do you well this year i suppose i'm very close to the marathon where i'm living <laughs> yeah. so we actually did stay in the hotel that the race yeah the race hotels yeah because it was easier for the morning they had a bus mm. to the start and i just thought you look it can be handy 
the morning of the race just to have everything kind of you know you're brought to the start as yes, thinking yeah like even though i'm only a couple of miles from here but yeah it just kind of it's sometimes and i had a room to myself in the hotel yeah. so um what about your breakfast then what what would you take for that yeah so for the breakfast you know i'd, I'd eat cereal a little bit of coffee or something it's, it, now i did have porridge before dublin as well as cereal so maybe i over so i was like i don't know i had in my head that i hadn't eaten enough the day before mm. and maybe that was something maybe I was fine so yeah quite late on the Saturday night as well um, what, what type of food do you eat Saturday night I know people would be interested in that I like them I, I, like, I had a lot of pasta brown pasta and pesto and mm. I think I had chicken goujons or something so I think it's important with uh, the pasta is brown isn't it because brown breaks down very quickly so yeah I suppose the, the, the whole brain they say yeah it's gonna last long but like a lot of the times before marathons when you're in a hotel or something you know you're just eating white yeah. pasta or rice, so you know you a lot of times you can't get you know you don't have that option because I was at home I did but I wouldn't be overly fussy you know but yeah. then the other thing if you're eating too much fibre is it's not great on the yeah. so it's the balance I think it's just once you're getting carbs in um, I had another meal later that night which maybe I shouldn't have had more pasta based kind of stuff so I don't know maybe I ate too late but look it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to know very difficult thing yeah. to age it's so difficult but I'd have a kind of a generally I'd be okay with it now this time maybe the breakfast I over maybe I was a little bit too careless that I ate too much that morning for breakfast but then maybe it wasn't even that you know so it's, it's hard to you drink what about your water or any sort of electrolyte drinks or anything like that yeah so like obviously I'd be I'd be sipping away on water fairly regularly like I do mm. drink a lot of water she likes sparkling water tend to drink buckets full of sparkling we mm. have a soda stream there as well that she makes the sparkling I haven't heard that no I have a soda stream yeah so <laughs> we're on the go so um, so the start of the race then but yeah the electrolyte drink the Martin it's quite popular right okay it's quite a popular one it's a Swedish brand it seems to be the we say it's the top electrolyte drink at the moment now I, I had been using the stronger version I had that in Berlin and I was wondering whether that was too strong mm. So I eased it back. There's a half percentage of it's glucose and electrolytes. Now I, I, I wouldn't be overly fussy. I just want something that works that doesn't cause me yeah. stomach because I have made mistakes in the past. In London that time and the in the London Marathon a few years back, I was drinking. I just too casual. I was drinking Lucid. It's just too thick and yeah, too gloopy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I think I got the drink okay now, and it's it. it it's still something there in Dublin because the weather is cooler and like you're not craving it as much. Yeah. But still, you want to take it on because it will stand you, especially early on. You mightn't feel like after 5K, you don't need a drink, but that's the time to take it. I didn't take any gels. I did have a few on my drink. Now, this electrolyte drink is meant to cover the gels as well. It's yeah. meant to be a combination. Is it carbs in it? Or? Yeah, there's glucose-based yeah. as well. So I actually threw away the gels. I just didn't bother with them. I didn't feel that maybe I could have, but... I think I was getting enough in the electrolyte. I think once you're drinking regularly, and the fact it was cooler in Dublin, you're not. The weather was perfect. The weather it? was perfect, yeah. Um, so at the start of the race then, as you said, you kick, you didn't kick off. <laughs> it appeared that no, you kicked no, off. Because the first mile was one of the slowest first miles, I think it was just under 5.20, which mm. would be slow for what I was thinking the pace would go out at. Now I didn't know, I knew it would speed up. But even after heading into Phoenix Park, that's when they started to come up. But I was kind of like, come on, lads, you know, let's get the thing moving here. I just felt unnatural running any slower. Yeah. I suppose I, it's the way I like to run. I don't like to, I suppose, I've, 
I do like to run from the start. I wouldn't be wouldn't be my style to sit back and then yeah. do you prefer racing from the start yeah so like I suppose and the other side is that it's more my strength to wear people there but look a marathon's different obviously you can't go in racing mm. from but this this was just it was way too slow I just but it wasn't it wasn't really bothering me like it wasn't as if I was using any energy I just said look the lads will I'll just keep it it wasn't if I was into a massive headwind around because that could have been the worry in the Phoenix Park if you're into a wind yeah. and everyone's just sitting on you so it was fine and then the group came together and um, you know, leaving the, the kind of when we went, left the park at Ch- uh, Castleknock, all the the group were together, and it was you know I could feel it was starting. How many was in the group at that stage? It was six or seven? Was it? Oh, it was probably more. Like because okay. I think I was fourteenth <clears throat> at one stage. Like I think I was still fourteenth or so, seventeen, eighteen miles. So there was a big group, and actually leaving the park, I got disconnected because they did pick up the pace. But I kind of I knew that they would come back a lot of them yeah. would come back to me I knew that they, they just knew that not all them guys are going to last that um, now I did have a little bit of stomach problems there from I suppose after 15k to 25k or so so mm-hmm. that was knocking me a little bit I lost a bit of rhythm there once I made the stop well, what, what's in your mind then if you feel like you need to go to the toilet and you're well, sitting there trying to hold pace different scenarios going through your mind yeah. just putting it off um, I was like will this mess the whole thing up I'd never had to stop before um, so yeah I was putting it off for a long time and then eventually I said I know this, if I just get this done now the rest of the marathon I should feel grand again you know so I did because I was tense and my, I wasn't running free you know yeah. myself, so. it's, it's funny like cause, um, this much of it doesn't relate at all like I was going through Phoenix Park one time I was holding on to the pacer like 3.30 pace I only stopped for like 30 seconds I couldn't believe how far the pacer had went yeah yeah yeah. and I so, made the mistake of right I need to go back to the pacer so you try yeah and I ran right up to it and then I just obviously about mile 22 23 I believe yeah, like, rather than creeping like up like far in London and stuff <laughs> yeah. for his drink you can catch back up with Kipchoge no butter yeah. <laughs> I learned a lesson that day but um, yeah no it, I suppose look, I was actually on my own at that stage when I stopped Um. It was all very quick. Mm. I was trying to maybe it was forty seconds. I'd say there had to be in about that by the time yeah. I had to go in behind. I need to go into all the ins and outs of it. But once I got that, I was a nice stretch around Terenure. I got my momentum going quite strong again. Um, Were you feeling really strong at that point? Yeah, I started to come. I actually felt more relaxed then. Once that, had, you know, so felt quite strong. And then I could see the guys coming back. So I think I picked off. I must have picked off seven or eight from 18, 19 miles. Now there was wow. the Irish lead bike guy was beside me, you know, the kind of marshalling. So he okay. was kind of, he just kind of let me know, that's one, that's, it was quite good. He was kind of giving me this, and you picked off one, you picked off two. So that was nice little targets. And I was just kind of letting it happen naturally. I wasn't, you know, cause I hadn't ran Dublin before either. I knew there was the tough stage around Clonsky. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't as tough as I thought it was going, you know, I was expecting it to make sort of build up in your mind but yeah it's kind of more build up isn't it the clans mm. because there's a few drags and then there is that last climb before Foster's Avenue so I might have overthought that a bit so maybe I could have been pushing stronger but then as I said in the marathon it's a fine line because I was moving quite well but then I hit Nutley Lane on the downhill and I got a cramp whether that was just a hard downhill so for a moment I was like geez, I'm after getting it was kind of a stitch you know yeah. 
but it passed. But you know, it was you still panic with two miles to go. Like this. Pays in your mind. And you get a fear, a fear stitch. Yeah. You know, sometimes you do have to. You know, it gets worse and worse. But this thankfully did pass. I think it might have been just a pounding downhill because mm. I did pick up a fair bit of momentum. Um, but yeah, my, I, as Dick was saying to me as well, he hadn't seen me finish that strong because I did finish strong, which was a good sign because I have in previous marathons kind of I've slowed a lot in the last. You know, maybe because I went out quite hard, but. I have kind of faltered a bit in some of the marathons in the last few miles or the last mile or so. So this was a good sign that I was. I was what about all the crowd then as well? But that was the other side, yeah, coming through like, like and that was like it's phenomenal race. Yeah, and you know there was pockets of people everywhere, and the fact that I know all the different places mm-hmm. so well. I mean, I had family, relatives on the south side who came out to support, and you know I saw it. You can you know you always spot the certain people. Yeah. Um, so the family handed out bottles to you as well. Yeah, when Corona was helping me, some of the drinks tables, Dick, my coach, got a few of them as well. My dad did as well. He was on the bike, so he scooted across then. From he that must have been a great day for your dad. Yeah, well, you yeah, know. sure. He he's you know he knows all about running as well, so yeah. he loved that, and um, and then my mother was out as well, and my aunties and stuff. So, um, yeah, and then there was all Rohini Shamrocks Club everywhere. There was people, and then the thing I suppose it's the run scene and. In Dublin and that, you know, we're all connected. We all yeah. knows, you know. So you're getting the shouts from different areas. Did you feed off that then? Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. And it was great, great buzz, and um, hearing the name, you know. And then in the big pockets of crowd, there was people shouting me on, which you're kind of like, oh, you know, it was nice to hear that people mm. knew who I was, you know, kind of. So I suppose, I suppose they saw I was the first Irish guy as well. Yeah. So people getting, you know, they give you a nice, um. But yeah, then the home straight or the. The last mile or so through coming down in through Ballsbridge and it's quite a long straight there, isn't yeah that? it is a long you know you kind of feel it after all like you're kind of like this is great but let's the get crowd, today you know yeah. um, the crowd must have went mad when you come up there the first yeah no, it was, it was you know looking back it's uh i suppose you know you kind of at the time you just want to because i saw the clock then only <laughs> yeah. i actually as i said before i hadn't seen i didn't really know what time it was i knew i was running quite strong but i was like could see that it'd be close to just under two sixteen, so I was like, right, I want to hit under two sixteen. You know, I always, always want to. If there's a kind of a, a mark you want in that area, you want to kind of dip under yeah. it. You know, so I said, right, I'll give it a push and just about made under it. But um, so I did finish quite as if I, I didn't like relax coming in the home straight really because I wanted to dip under yeah. that two sixteen. Um. So what did it feel like crossing the line then? Yeah, was it was good. It was a nice. It was a nice feel like the national title was something, and um, there's the. The trophy oh, there is. It's a fairly his, it's a fairly historic. Uh, there's a great photograph of you actually looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Is it okay? And, um, there's a fair few pictures. From yeah, but I don't know if you have the glasses up or down. You're looking at it. You can just see, you know, is it? See, there's a lot of names on it from, like my coach Dick's names there a lot of times. Like he's won class. He won, he won his first national title. In seventy eight, and his last in ninety eight. So he had a twenty year range of winning the national. So I think he won it I'm not sure how many times and in between with that and his brother Pat as well, Pat Hooper. So there's a big tradition in Rohini and it's a, it's you know, it's a big trophy. Yeah. And then there's so many other famous names in Irish athletics, it goes back to the thirties or forties. So it's wow. it's a fairly historic trophy. So but apart from the trophy side, it the national title was, you know, of one national cross country track half marathon 10k on the road so the marathon was one that i still hadn't won so it meant a lot to me to 
yeah. to get that title and um, it's yeah. great. what do you think the likes of Gary O'Hanlon then like he's 44 years of age yeah. and he's running like 217 like Gar- Gary's bad man you know Gary's improving all the time so um, does that give you well it shows I think it shows for a lot of people as well that sort of you know, with your mind, mind yeah. doesn't it Marathon is something that you can build build up. It's different to the shorter events, you know. That you know, Gary shown that age, you know, it's not a yeah. massive like I even Kipchoge, I think he's they're hard to know what age, but he must be close to could be close to forty, I think I've heard in some I don't know now, but like yeah. even if you look at Kipchoge, I think he is a bit older than they say he is. So it's Marathon, not, I think it's, it's slightly so, changing a bit, isn't it, what people think about how I suppose if you come to it later as well, you're probably you know you've. I think if you're running marathons from you're very young, sometimes maybe you've you could yeah, start yourself out. Yeah, so if you're coming later, but it is also a build up of endurance, um, your body, you know that that's the thing with distance running. Is it? It's a kind of a patient. You know, it's yeah, not something. It's a, it's a gradual. It's a gradual kind of. That's the nature of, of it. You know, like mm. you to get to where I suppose you're strongest. Sometimes you, you have to be doing it for a long time it's strange like because I even see it in the clubs now because the clubs have boomed and over the last four or five years you know one we were all trying to struggle past four hours everybody's now running like sub 315s and it's just that progression over the last four or five years even in all the clubs yeah I suppose everybody's learning a lot about it as well like but yeah there's a lot more people running it just doesn't happen like overnight in your first and I think I've been helping out people coaching a bit and notice a lot of people new to running, I suppose, there's that thing, the marathon, the buzz of the marathon. But, you know, you nearly have to tell people, look, it's not all about the marathon. There's shorter races as well, you know, because mm. you want people to respect it as well and to get the best out of it. Like, as I said, if someone goes into a marathon underprepared, it could turn them off it for, you know, they might want to go back to it. So I think it should be, you shouldn't rush into a marathon. Look, yeah. you know, some people just want to do it and get it done. But if you want to get your best out of it, I think I'd be telling people, look, enjoy cross country enjoy the shorter distances build up to the marathon you know don't, I know, I know don't put yourself under pressure because everyone else is you know there are other events obviously the marathon has that special quality to it but you'll, so you'll enjoy it more if you give it the bit of time that you know to, to build into it but um, i know a lot of people that have like they just decided to do the marathon and they train for the marathon that's it mm-hmm. they've never run again since yeah yeah and do you know what i mean like i suppose that's the other side and there's people mm-hmm. who just want to get one done and you know it's something that they've achieved so there's a, you know everyone has their own their own you talk about coaching then so you've turned your hand a bit to coaching yeah in the last year or two yeah, yeah. how would somebody sort of contact you if you're looking to be coached yeah well i i do a bit of online coaching programs with people so um generally it's through my i have a facebook page mick classy mm. running um just follow you up on that really yeah that's generally the best way people get in touch with me um do you have group sessions here as well? I have group sessions in in the local area in St. Anne's Park and Clontarf. So like I get a mix of levels, so it's kind of just group interval sessions. A lot of people are involved with Rohini Shamrocks who come, but yeah. it's not a Rohini Shamrock session, you know, it's an open session. Mm-hmm. Um I try to make it try to make it relaxed. It's not a serious, you know, I, I the way I could, uh, tailor the sessions, you know, you could have some people who are stronger runners maybe than others. But nobody's left, nobody's left kind of out of the yeah. depth because I have a, I might set up a 400 meter lap. Some people might do twice the distance than others, but everyone starts together and then people are still getting 
their adequate recovery and no one's kind of left you know geez, this is too intense really, because then people form their own groups and everyone but I try to keep it that it's people are getting a good quality session but it's not it's not real intense you know it's, yeah. it's enjoyable as well and then I do a bit of corporate stuff at lunchtime with some of the companies in around Dublin City in the centre there we go down to Irish Town Track and mm. um, Mike and Susan McGovern from Crusaders have linked in with them and their experience okay. coaches so we've had a few corporate companies like we do Facebook at lunchtime they have a lot of runners they're over in Grand Canal so it's kind of good for them on their lunch break to come down we give them an interval session and you know they might have a target race it's just like in like isn't it yeah so I mean there's so many people run lunchtime as well for a lot of the people you know it's a, it's a good time for them to get out there you know gives them a break from their, their I, I have jobs. a feeling that there's I think everyone has a sense there's a little bit more you have it that you have a feeling there's a little bit more that you can sort of give yeah um, to your, your times I suppose with Tokyo coming up as well um, you'd love to get back and yeah, try and like, show your colours and that. Is that the next big target then? Yeah, like Tokyo. It's funny. It's you know already coming into the Olympic cycle again in January. So, uh, that like next year, I suppose the main aim will be to get myself in a good position to make Tokyo. Now they've they've changed the qualification process. They had this ranking system. In up until recently for the world championships for Doha but now they've, they've actually scrapped that because it's causing too much confusion so they've gone back to just qualification standard now it's still up in the air exactly what what that is but I think it's just the old style under a certain time now I don't know for Tokyo whether that's in this ranking thing meant mm. different races had different rankings and people were ranked as opposed to just hitting a standard it's quite confusing so yeah. I think the main thing still is with the Martin is you just have to put in some good fast performances to get yourself in position so next year so looking at the spring marathon Doha is in October yeah so it's that would be it's, interesting it's interesting yeah apparently it's it's a midnight marathon <laughs> it's, um, warm, it's like. still going to be high 20s or 30 mm. degrees it's a world championships that's the thing it's you know running for Ireland so you know you never want to miss an opportunity to, to wear the vest. Um, it's next October. I won't start looking into that. And the other side of that is that Dublin falls around that time. And after doing Dublin, obviously, I'd love to come back and give it a, a crack to try and be up there, up the front outright. You know, it was nice winning the national, but it'd be brilliant to, you know, to be on the podium in the in the fur, you know, in the overall, which isn't far off because you know the Africans and other athletes coming over. Because you were sixth overall, weren't you? Sixth overall, yeah. So the guys they're bringing in, I suppose they're not the top tier Africans, so there's a chance, there's no reason why you can't be in the mix yeah. with these guys. Um, but then, look, though, as the world champs, so it'll be hard to... But look, Just I think as it comes. Yeah, exactly. Time. So I'm hoping to run a marathon in the springtime. Um, Have you picked it yet? Possibly London might be on the cards again. Just, it's... It's a good opportunity to run fast. There's good depth yeah. in the field. It's convenient. You know, you could go looking for somewhere else, but does um, that classify for Tokyo then? Yeah, it should be in the window. So yeah, like my main my main aim in the spring, I really want to try and I just want to have a crack at running as fast as I can because the championship races are harder to run personal yeah. best. So okay. I just want to get my time down. It's a chance to, and then, you know, all going well, it should help with Tokyo qualification, but. Do you find the cross country then coming in through the winter then that helps you with your strength? 
Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, like the national cross country is on yeah. Sunday week now, so. Right. Um, so that's the next target. <laughs> yeah, it's it's come around quick. Obviously, it's a different build up this year. Going straight in from Dublin, like coming in off a break, really. Yeah. But once I get out there, you know, I've had a back into training out the last week or so, and you know, another bit of quality to get in, which will shock the system a bit. And once I get into the race, I'll be you know I'll get in I'll just switch <laughs> into that race mode so um, look it'll be it'll be different coming from the marathon but still like the strength will be there and you know you can get a good bounce back after a marathon you can surprise yourself so it does it's a nice change as well um, the nationals will be the trials for the Europeans which are on in December but won't look beyond next Sunday anyway like you never know it's going to be a competitive race I know there's a lot of good lads coming yeah. through so yeah uh, it is a good it is a good break from the road running as well that's the thing there's no worrying about times or splits yeah. you know it's just pure racing so that's a good it's thing. nice to mix it up as it well, is and it? then you know that takes you up for Christmas and then you know in the new year then get going again hopefully in the build up to, to the spring marathon so yeah so that's brilliant it's good to make you have a great attitude towards running so you have um, yeah, I wish you all the luck thanks very much appreciate it for coming down thanks cheers Well, I hope you enjoyed this relaxed podcast from one of the most relaxed athletes I've had the pleasure of meeting. I can't help feeling we're going to be seeing more Mick in the future, fingers crossed, for Tokyo. Um, Mick has been nominated as part of the Irish Life Health Endurance Athlete of the Year, along with some great names. Um, I think it's Brendan Boyce, Kevin Seward and Alex Wright. I'm sure I pronounced his surname wrong, so sorry about that, Mick, Um, but I wish you all the best in the future. Great podcast. Hope you enjoyed listening. Until next time, stay safe and keep on moving.